Welcome to Stories from Nowhere. I'm your host, Randall Bond. Today's story is entitled, To Be a Teacher. I have friends and family, uh, other relatives, students, parents of students that ask me quite regularly every year, uh, why did you become a teacher or why did you get into teaching? And I love teaching. I am passionate about teaching. I love almost every aspect about teaching. And uh, I don't have a real good answer for that. I can't point to one moment in time on why I decided to become a teacher. I had a lot of really good teachers in my past, teachers that really helped me to develop uh, a love of, of what I'm doing now, which is a love of music and of theater. And I had some really poor teachers, and uh, I might discuss some of that uh, going going forward, but uh, not today. Uh, I thought today I would just share a few stories um, that related to, to me uh, and my educational experience in school, uh, and then an educational experience from uh, just recently while I was teaching in class. And I want to start with that one. Um, some of my favorite students every year are always the students that, that are awkward, um, the students that are not as popular, the students that struggle, the students that really don't feel like they have a place to belong, uh, or even to struggle in school, or they have maybe they've got a bad home life. And those are the students I, I really am drawn to and try to develop connections with. And one of these students uh, was in my seventh grade choir, and, and we'll call him Charlie. And Charlie loved cats, and Charlie had a lot of cats, and Charlie slept with these cats every night, and he would come to school, and he would smell like cat. Every day he would come in to school, and he would always have a story about his cats. But Charlie had a wonderful boy soprano voice, and I loved teaching him in class. And he was always, for the most part, he was always really energetic and engaged, but always super socially awkward. Didn't have a lot of friends, never said anything at the right time. If he did say something, it'd be one of those things that would just make you cringe. And one particular day in class, we had an assignment where uh, the students, we'd gone over some theory things in class, and the students had to to do a, a quiz. Now, quizzes in my class are pretty, I won't say they're, they're simple because they're challenging, but I give quizzes until the students have mastered what I want them to know. I think that's what education should be. We're going to keep going over this until you've mastered it. And so we were on like our third iteration of this quiz, and I spread the students out, and they're not really allowed to sit by people they would normally sit by in class, and they have to have a chair between them, and they're diligently working in class. And Charlie's kind of sitting in front of me, and he's sitting by one of the cuter girls, more popular girls in class. And the quiz is over, and students are waiting the last 10 or 12 minutes or so in class, and Charlie looks at this girl that's sitting, been sitting next to him the entire class, and he says, man, you smell amazing. And, you know, the inner, the inner dad in me, the inner, you know, like cheerleader for Charlie was like, good for you, good for you, you know, nice compliment, appropriate compliment, you know, and, you know, the, the first little steps of, you know, courting, you know, like, good for you, good for you, Charlie. And so I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, please be nice to him. Like to the, you know, in my mind, I'm like to the girl, please, please just be nice back to him. And so the girl looks at him and she says, oh, well, thank you, Charlie. Thank you very much. That was very nice. And I'm like, oh, what this great, great interaction. And then Charlie follows it up by saying, yeah, you smell just like biscuits and gravy. And I love biscuits and gravy. And I literally 
slapped my forehead with my palm when he did it and started laughing. And the poor girl's sitting there and she's like, um, thanks, I guess. And uh, it, it will probably be one of my favorite stories to remember from this student uh, literally until I'm done teaching. It, it was just a wonderful moment in the classroom. Nobody else really heard it. So it was just like, you know, the three of us were in pretty close proximity. And uh, I just love that story. Just one of those great stories for, from education. And I was recently over the 4th of July weekend, I was at a family uh, gathering. We had had some fireworks and some food. And um, I, of course, enjoy telling stories. And something had come up about uh, school starting and you know, being a teacher and all those things. And out of that, um, I, I told them a story from when I was in middle school. And most of the people in my family had not heard that story. And I thought I had told it numerous times. And so I want to share just a couple of stories, again, like that from when I was in middle school, uh, and then one from early high school. Then in middle school, um, that was the age that I knew uh, I could be funny. And I had been bullied you know, all through grade school. I got into middle school. My bullies were no longer, there were several classes ahead of me. My bullies were no longer in school. And um, I kind of branched out a little bit, as it were. I was very difficult with some of my uh, middle school teachers. I had a seventh grade teacher, Mr. Castens, and uh, he had told me, um, or excuse me, he had set up this demerit system in class. He had this big chart on the wall, and every student that was in his classes uh, were on this wall, and we all, you know, like a, a spreadsheet, like a grid. And anytime we spoke out of turn, didn't raise our hand, or um, you know, disruptive in class, we got this little a little check mark next to our name. And so I raised my hand one day in class. I'm like, Mister Mister Castens, um, do the demerits do they um, do they affect our grade? Like if we get too many demerits, will it affect our grade? And he's like, No. He goes, It's just to keep track of you know who's behaving, who's not behaving. Okay, so I had a follow-up question. I said, well, Mr. Castens, what's the, what's the record for demerits? And he said, well, the, direct, the, the record for the demerits is 196 demerits. And so immediately I thought, well, that's a record I need to break. Challenge accepted. So by Christmas break in December, I had 202 demerits in Mr. Castens' 7th grade social studies class. And Mr. Caston says, we're leaving for Christmas break, stops the whole class and says, just would like everyone to know Randy Bond has uh, broken the demerit record that was set, and uh, he broke it in one semester. And I'm like, I raised my hand, I go, what do you mean I broke it in one semester? He said, 196 demerits was the record for the entire school year, and you broke that in one semester. So I had classes like that where I liked to cut up. But for the most part, uh, I really tried to be respectful. I wasn't always uh, respectful, but I tried my best not to disrespect teachers, not to be too disrupted. I've tried to be funny when it was appropriately funny. Um, sometimes that just didn't happen. And I remember uh, I was not allowed to play football in seventh grade. And then I played football in eighth grade. And our football coach, our head football coach, was also our principal. And he also taught... Um, a uh, social studies class or two in the eighth grade. And I remember in eighth grade, I was in an English class, and I do not remember what I had done. But the English teacher, who was female, told me to go to the office and speak to Mr. Henry. Mr. Henry was our principal. So I got up, did what I was supposed to, got my books, went to the office, sat in Mr. Henry's um, separate office, 
waiting for him to get done teaching his class. Mr. Henry comes into the classroom, doesn't ask me what I did, doesn't ask why, why I got sent to the office. He simply picks up the phone and began to call home. And I looked at him and begged him. I said, Mr. Henry, I will do anything. I will do anything you ask me to do if you will please not call my dad. I said, my dad works nights, and he did. I said, if my dad works nights, and he doesn't get home until early in the morning, and he's going to be asleep right now. And if you call him, I said, he, he might kill me when I get home. Please, you know, I will do anything you ask me to do if you just don't call my dad. So Mr. Henry looks at me, and he puts the phone down on the receiver, and he goes, you'll do anything I ask you to do if I just don't call your dad. I'm like, anything. So he sat back for a minute. He said, okay. He goes, at football practice, I'll tell you what I want you to do. So we finish the school day. I go to football practice, and Mr. Henry says, this is what you're going to do. He said, every day this week until our football game, you're going to do, we called them bear crawls. You're going to do bear crawls around the football field. So bear crawls were on the balls of your feet and your toes and your hands. You weren't allowed to touch your knees. You weren't allowed to touch your elbows. Those were bear crawls. So you're to do bear crawls around the football field until we're ready for team activities. So about the first hour of practice, that's what I was supposed to do. And our field had sand burrs and cockle burrs all around the outside of our football field. But that's what I did. So I did that on Monday for an hour. I did it on Tuesday for an hour. I did it on Wednesday for the hour and then joined the team activities. And then our football game was on Thursday. Now, my dad was pretty much a workaholic. My dad worked a lot, but he never missed events. He never missed any choir or band performances, and he never missed any sporting events. And so my dad was at the game on that Thursday. The game is over, and as my dad would always do, he came down to the field to thank the coach for coaching me, you know, and, and thank him for a, a job well done. And so my dad comes down to the field. I'm on the field next to Mr. Henry. My dad comes up, shakes Mr. Henry's hand, thanks him for coaching me, thanks him for doing such a good job. And Mr. Henry looks at my dad and then looks at me and says, there's something I need to discuss with you that Randy did on Monday at school. And I looked at Mr. Henry and I felt so betrayed. I was like, how, you know, I did everything in my mind. I never would have said this out loud in my mind. I'm like, I did everything you asked me to do. I did the bear crawls around the football field. I did everything that was expected of me. And now you're telling my dad. And Mr. Henry looked at me and he said, you know, I just told you I would never call your dad. I never said I wasn't going to tell your dad. And I hung my head and my dad said, well, go take a shower and I'll see you in the car. So I do my little death march into the locker room knowing what's waiting for me after I get out and take my time taking my shower and getting dressed and packing my stuff up and then walking out to the car and we had a really big old yellow Oldsmobile station wagon and I come walking out to the station wagon and I climb in the passenger side and my dad didn't say a word to me and whenever my dad didn't talk to me I knew then he was really really upset so he doesn't talk to me uh, all the way home. We lived about 12 miles uh, away from the school. Doesn't talk to me all the way home. We pull up to the house. He still has not said a word to me. And in my mind, I'm thinking, he, I, you know, this, this is it. This is the final straw. You know, uh, I may not make it till tomorrow. And we pull up in front of the house and my dad starts giggling. And I really think, well, he's lost it. He's lost it. He is so upset. 
And I look at my dad and he starts laughing and I give him this look like what's going on. And he said, he goes, oh, I goes, I can't, I can't handle it. He goes, I was supposed to wait until tomorrow to tell you. He's like, Mr. Henry called me Monday after you left his office and we concocted this whole thing, you know, just to impress on you how important it is for you to behave yourself while you're in school. So it didn't, it didn't really help much though, because I continued to get into trouble all through middle school uh, and even into high school. Another story that I told at this July 4th um, celebration with my family uh, was my freshman year of high school. And uh, my dad, um, or like I said, my dad worked nights, and sometimes he would get home just about the time we were getting ready to leave to go get on the bus. And sometimes he might get home a little earlier than that, earlier than that and make us breakfast, but there were some times where he would be home in the morning uh, while we were getting ready for school or about to leave for school. And this was one of those mornings. My dad was there. He had made us breakfast. And uh, so we're eating the, the breakfast he had made. Likely, knowing him, it would, it would have been eggs over easy with some toast. And so we're eating our breakfast, and we're about getting ready to leave to walk down to the bus. And my dad says, oh, hey, Randy, by the way, uh, I'm going to take you to school today. Now I'm a freshman in high school, and I'm riding the bus, and we didn't have an extra car for me to drive. And uh, I'm like, hallelujah, that is awesome. I hate riding the bus. This is fantastic. So Bob and Rich go down to get on the bus. I wait with my dad, um, leisurely finishing my breakfast. And um, we get up to leave, and dad takes me to the school. And the high school I was at, they had, they had two different entrances. They had a, a drop-off entrance where parents would kind of s- swing through this little circular drive and drop you off. You'd walk into the office and get yourself checked in. And then they had another place where you could park and then you know walk in. And so my dad goes to this second parking area and I'm like, oh, hey, dad, you can just go to the little, you know, roundabout and drop me off. And, uh, you know, you don't have to park and come in. And he looks at me and goes, oh, oh, I guess I haven't told you. Uh, We got your report card yesterday and I'm a little concerned about your grades. And so I have made arrangements with the school to stay with you all day and go with you to all of your classes. And, uh. Yeah, so you try to act like you're not panicked when, you know, your your parent says that. And you're like, okay, cool, cool, that's cool, that's cool, I understand. Yeah, that'll be fine, this'll be fun, this'll be great, this'll be great. I can't wait to spend more time with you at school and all my classes with all my friends. Uh, yeah, let's do this. So I walk into the school, my dad's trailing, I walk into the school, and of course all my guy friends are like, oh, Randy, you know, hey. And my dad follows about four steps behind me, and all the cheers go from, ah, to, Whoa silence and everybody's staring at me and I'm giving them the little you know four fingers across the neck going back and forth like hey cut it out cut it out and uh, I kind of motion my head to the bathroom and so I walk to the bathroom and three of my buddies come into the bathroom with me and they're like what the blank is your dad doing here at the high school and I'm like uh apparently report cards went out yesterday and my dad saw my report card and he's here and he's going to go to all of my classes with me. And these boys freaked out just as much as I did. And they're like, man, if he goes with you, he's, he's going to tell my dad. And then I'm going to be in trouble. So I'm like, look, here, here's the thing. We have to be on our best behavior. We absolutely have to be on our absolute best behavior today. I said, otherwise, I said, I go, I don't even know what's going to happen. So we all agree. Best behavior. We're going to be on our best behavior. So this is halfway through the first nine weeks of my freshman year. So 
we go to our first class, which was physical science class. And I'm sitting in the physical science class, and I am head in my books, as studious as I can be, trying to ignore my friends, you know, doing what I'm supposed to do as a, as a good student in a science class. And class gets over, and I leave the class, and my dad is waiting for me outside the door. He's made a beeline to get out of the classroom. I leave the classroom, and in front of all of my friends leaving the class, and all of the seniors, because that's where this class was located, was down the senior hallway, he grabs me by my, it wouldn't have been my lapel because I was wearing a t-shirt, but grabs me by my shirt, shoves me into the lockers, and says, not quietly, if this is how you behave when I'm here, I can't imagine how you behave when I'm not here. And then, by the scruff of my neck, he guides me, upstairs to the office and tells me to sit down and then he goes into the principal's office and I can hear him through the door explaining that I am to have no classes again ever with my best friends my two best friends at the time were Pete and Joe and I could hear him repeatedly say Pete and Joe and I was not to have any classes and I would hear the principal say I don't know if that's going to be possible to switch his schedule so that he doesn't have any classes with Pete and Joe but by God, they did it. They sure did it. The only classes I had with them were choir and band classes. But I had no other classes with my two best friends until like my senior year of high school. And at the time, it was horrific. I mean, it was, it was just a horribly embarrassing and horrific thing. But looking back, I don't know that I would have graduated high school had my dad not been proactive and come in and done what he did. So I share these stories because uh, I'm going to uh, turn a little bit of a quarter, uh, do maybe some little bit different tactics when I'm, when I'm talking. Uh, one of the reasons that I started the, the podcast was because for uh, several years, I had many people encouraging me to, to start a blog uh, or to start blogging. And uh, I don't like to write enough to do that. And in 2020, I had uh, committed to myself that some things that I was resistant in trying, that I would at least try. I would at least try doing them. So my way to kind of accomplish this goal uh, was to start this podcast. And I've had a lot of fun doing the podcast, and it's been fun sharing these stories. But uh, I'm going to start talking with everything that's going on. I'm going to start talking more like I did on my social media accounts when people were encouraging me to start blogging or to share my thoughts in a more public venue. So I'm going to start talking a little bit more about um, not necessarily political things, but things that I believe in, things that I hold dear, things that I would like to challenge, or maybe even some things just to make you think. So starting uh, next week, uh, I will be talking about some more serious things on occasion. I still love telling funny stories. I still love telling entertaining stories, and I will still continue to do that. But there will be a little bit different tact starting next week. Um, and I'm going to talk next week about education. I'm going to talk about it from a teacher's perspective. And I'm going to talk about it, about how this COVID uh, is going to affect teachers and what we're doing in the classroom starting next Monday. So I hope you'll stay with me for that. And um, I appreciate you listening today. And hopefully we'll see you back here again next week.
This has been Stories from Nowhere. Once again, I'm your host, Randall Bond. I really appreciate you being here with me today. I hope you'll stay with us next week. Today's episode was inspired by many of the wonderful teachers that I've had in my past, specifically Jane Lucas, my theater teacher, and Nancy Lindblom, my choir teacher, who I don't think I would have finished school had they not been in my corner and helped support me.